Hey guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Unknown Serial Killer. I'm here to dig deep in the minds of the next door neighbor who kills people in their spare time and to find out what makes them tick. Of course, viewers' discretion is advised because we're talking about violence, murder, and possible drug use. This week, we're digging in the mind of Paul Knowles. Let's get started. Paul John Knowles, born April 25th, 1946 in Orlando, Florida. His father gave him up to live in foster homes and reformatories after he was convicted of a petty crime. Knowles himself was first incarcerated at the age of 19, and in the years following, he spent more time in prison. In early 1974, Knowles was serving time at Redford Prison in Florida, where he began corresponding with a divorcee in San Francisco named Angela Kovic, who made a trip to the prison to visit Knowles. Upon her arrival, Knowles proposed to Kovic. After she accepted his proposal, she became instrumental in getting released from prison by paying for his legal counsel. Upon his release, he flew directly to California to be with her. After a psychic warned her of the entry of a new dangerous man in her life, Kovic ended their relationship and called off the wedding. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like she dodged a bullet and caught the red flags before anything happened. I'm very glad she went to the psychic because if the psychic never would have told her that, she probably would have became one of his victims as well. Although this was never verified, Knowles claimed to have murdered three people on the streets of San Francisco the night that COVID broke off their relationship. Devastated by the rejection, Knowles returned to Jacksonville, Florida. He has soon been arrested after stabbing a bartender during a fight, but he picked a lock in his detention cell and escaped on July 26, 1974. Knowles' cross-country murder spree began in Jacksonville on the night of his escape. He broke into the home of 65-year-old Alice Curtis, bound, gagged her, ransacked her home for money and valuables, then stole her car. Curtis choked to death on her own dentures. This occurred because the gag happened to loosen them. It is suspected that Knowles may have also kidnapped and killed family acquaintances, 11-year-old Lillian and 7-year-old Milette Anderson next. However, this was never confirmed. The girl simply disappeared. Knowles claimed that soon after this, he murdered a teenage girl who was walking home, but at the time of his confession, he did not identify her to police. On December 21, 2011, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation identified her as 13-year-old Ima Jean Sanders, who had run away from Beaufort. Beaumont, Texas, in July 1974, to be with her mother in Warner Robins, Georgia, <clears throat> then disappeared on August 1st, 1974. On August 2nd, 1974, the day after the Anderson sisters disappeared, Nose met Marjorie Howie, 49, in Atlantic Beach, Florida. She either invited him or was forced by him to go to her apartment, where he strangled her with a nylon stocking and stole her television set. On August 23, 1974, Knowles showed up in Musella, Georgia, and forced his way into the home of Kathy Sue Pierce, who was there with her three-year-old son. Knowles strangled Pierce, but left her child physically unharmed. On September 3, 1974, Knowles entered Scott's Inn 
a roadside pub near Lima, Ohio, and met William Bates, a 32-year-old account executive for Ohio Power Company. The bartender who knew Bates recalled that Bates and a young redhead man had several drinks that evening and left. Bates' wife then reported him missing, and the police realized that his car was missing as well. Near the bar, police found an abandoned car that was subsequently traced back to Alice Curtis. In October, Bates' nude body was found. He had been strangled and dumped in the woods. Now driving Bates' car, he moved to a campground in Nevada, where on September 18, 1974, he bound and shot two elderly campers, Emmett and Lois Johnson. Because it was a seemingly random murder, there were no leads until Knowles later confessed to the crime, although he did use a credit card for a short period to pay his expenses. On September 21, 1974, Knowles' killing spree continued, this time in Texas. There he came upon stranded motorcyclist Charlene Hicks, who he abducted and raped before strangling her with her own pantyhose and dragged her body through a barbed wire fence. Her body was found four days later. Traveling to Birmingham, Alabama, Knowles met beautician Ann Dawson on September 23, 1974. It is unclear as to whether he abducted her or if she traveled with him willingly, but she paid the bills while they traveled together until he killed her on September 29, 1974. Knowles claims to have dumped her body in the Mississippi River, but it was never recovered. Knowles arrived in Marlboro, Connecticut in the middle of October 1974, where he continued his vicious killing spree. He entered the home of Karen Wine and her 16-year-old daughter, Dawn, on October 16th, where he bound and raped them before killing them with a nylon stocking. The only thing found missing from their home was a tape recorder. By October 18th, 1974, Nose had made his way to Woodford, Virginia, where he broke into the home of 53-year-old Doris Hosey and shot her to death with her husband's rifle, then wiped his prints from the gun and placed it beside her body. Afterwards, police would find no sign of robbery to offer them a motive in the case. So he was just basically going around just killing for no reason, had no motive with the last few people. He just felt like he needed to kill them just because. Still driving William Bates' stolen car, Nose picked up two hitchhikers in Key West, Florida, with the intentions of killing them both, but his plan went left when a policeman stopped him for a traffic violation. Unaware of who he was dealing with, the officer let Knowles go with a warning. Shaken by the experience, he had mercy on his victims and dropped them off in Miami, Florida. On November 16, 1974, in Georgia, Knowles befriended Carson Carr and was invited to Carr's home to spend the night. Over drinks, he stabbed Carr to death and then strangled Carr's 15-year-old daughter. After murdering the girl, Knowles attempted to engage in necrophilia with her corpse. If you don't know what necrophilia is, that means he wanted to have sex with the dead body. On the morning of November 16th, Florida Highway Patrol Trooper Charles Eugene Campbell recognized a stolen car near Perry, Florida and attempted to make an arrest. But after he pulled over, Knowles was able to wrestle the officer's pistol away from him. Taking Campbell hostage, he drove away in a patrol car 
later using its siren to stop motorist James Meyer in order to ditch the highway patrol vehicle and continue in a less conspicuous automobile. Knowles was cornered on November 17th by 27-year-old Vietnam War veteran and hospital maintenance worker David Clark, an armed civilian with a shotgun several miles from the forest area of the search. Clark then escorted Knowles to Joe and Becky Stoney Cipher's nearby house where Becky Stoney Cipher made a call to the police. On December 18, 1974, a sheriff Earl Lee and agent Ronnie Angel from the Georgia Bureau of Investigations were traveling down Interstate 20 with Knowles, who was handcuffed in the back seat. Knowles ended up grabbing Lee's handgun, discharged it through the holster in the process, and while Lee was struggling with Knowles and attempting to keep control of the vehicle, Angel fired three shots into Knowles' chest, killing him instantly. So on the way to the police station, they they shot him because he was trying to escape. So, guys, I hope you really, really, really enjoyed the story as much as I enjoyed telling it. Join me next week to dig deep into the minds of another serial killer and to find out what makes them tick. And once again, and as always, I tell you, be nice to people. You never know who they killed. See you guys next week.